Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to remind you to rate and comment on the podcast wherever you're listening to it. That helps us a lot. I'm going to be speaking with Jeremy Rabus, who is a member of the Teachings of Joshua community that I'm part of and that I had done some coaching for. Gary Bodley runs that boot camp. It's called the Unlimited Abundance Boot Camp and it really helped me to change my perspective and helped me to meet a lot of really great people including Jeremy. So I thought I'd have him on the podcast to talk about some of his channeled artwork. He is a painter. I highly recommend checking out his website jeremyrabus.com to give you a little bit of visual context for the podcast episode and let's get into this one. Here we go. Yeah, when I began to make art, it was uh, as a very young child. And my grandpa, he would just, he'd had a closet and it was full of notebook paper, American Airlines stationery, you know, with like a watermark on it, the AA, um, and a cigar box full of markers and pens and that little eraser of the brush at the other end. And um, yeah, and my grandma used to read me a lot of fairy tales. I actually, I think learn to read at the age of three just from reading with my grandma and in some of these books were these beautiful illustrations and I had the assumption that they were painted directly into the books. I was always fascinated by how that got in there. I didn't have a concept of printing so I just started to draw all kinds of stuff, weird little things like kites and mailboxes and uh, French fries and soda and <laughs> hamburgers and stuff like that. And then I, um, I was told that I drew Bugs Bunny very accurately for like a two or three year old. Like, you know, a lot of people would draw a rabbit as a circle with a couple of sticks for ears or something <laughs> like that. And I actually had the tufted cheeks and the, you know, those more uh curvaceous ears that Bugs Bunny has and the whiskers and everything you know so I had an ability to see and transpose those details on the paper um and you know my grandma um my other grandma she bought me a book on how to draw 50 animals and that kind of changed everything for me I began to see how the structure of an you know an animal or a figure is formed you know from basic (laughs) shapes like circles, um, squares, spheres, you know, pyramids and rectangles and stuff like that. And it it was just revolutionary for me. And I don't know, I just, uh, I painted along with Bob Ross <laughs> on TV. I Was that the cartoon? Is it a cartoonist? The notebook paper. Who's Bob, Bob Ross? Ross? No, Bob Ross is the, you don't know who Bob Ross is? No. No. The joy of painting. He had the big Bro, ah, okay. Oh, oh, oh so, I, yeah. Okay, I think I've seen memes with him. Yes. In. No, I. Yeah. No, I missed oh, that. You're young and <laughs> no, um, yeah. So on PBS every summer, um, as a kid, I would watch Bob Ross, and he would just magically make these landscapes, just uh, by you know painting wet into wet. That was his technique. So wet paint into wet paint, and just inventing them on screen. You know, I didn't know that 
as a TV show, there's probably a lot of bells and whistles and stuff associated with that. But, um, you know, and at the art supply store where I currently work, we have a big Bob Ross standee <laughs> cardboard cutout. <laughs> He's got a uh, mask on and everything. He's oh, got like yeah. a little baby squirrel. Um, yeah, Bob Ross is an interesting story because he never... He didn't make any money from PBS. PBS didn't pay him a salary for Joy of Painting because it's a public station. And he, um, all of the paintings he ever sold, the profits went back to PBS. And, but where he made his money was from the merchandise. You can find Bob Ross oil paints. And Oh, my God, I'm at 10% now. Isn't that wild? Yeah, you're not okay. going to make it. I think you need to cut it in. Oh, yeah, I'll go get some juice. <laughs> That's good timing because I'm having to reheat mac and cheese for my son. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got children. Yeah. So that's a fun and interesting sort of challenge in itself. <laughs> I know, think merch so. is generally the way that – oh, and, and my, my computer is dying while I'm down here. But I think merch is generally <laughs> the way that artists uh, tend to make most of their money anyway. Right. Yeah. I, I know. It's I mean, it's true so... for musicians anyway. Yeah, well, you know, as I'm beginning to learn, beginning to learn, it's so oblique. It's like, and I've been using that word a lot, strangely. <laughs> it's, you know, people think that here's an artwork and it's a commodity and I've got to price it and sell it. You know, I've been communicating with um, Gary Temple Bodley a lot about that and kind of working a little closely on uncovering some of the limiting beliefs and fears and things around all of that you know so um well, and painting is such an interesting one because you know like when, when i release an album there's like a standard price for what a cd goes for what a download goes for you know so like you know if i charge three cents that's that's not quite right and if i charge thirty dollars that's not quite right either but like for paintings i mean that must be a really interesting process to price yourself. It's, it's a complicated process and a lot of people have no idea how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, I have no idea how to do it really. Um, so I kind of, I've kind of gone by square footage in just making wild guesses. The first show that I did that was kind of a success. I had a lot of smaller paintings. Um, this was in 2009 and if you can imagine a 12 inch by 12 inch painting, I decided to price it at $350, which was a little higher than most people would do such a thing. I kind of reached for the stars a little bit on that, you know, um, but I sold out half of that show. And, and that was a very interesting situation because uh, it was the first solo gallery show I had and my car broke down on the way there. Actually, my tire deflated, and I was worried I wouldn't make it on time. My dad came suddenly out of uh, nowhere, I think. I called him. I got the idea to call him. He came, and he helped me put a spare on, and then we got to the gallery. And I, worked, I was so surprised to see, like, a crowd of people there, and half of the works with little red dots by them, <laughs> you know? And I was just really wowed and astonished by how that happened and it felt beautiful it felt um it felt it felt uh life-affirming and like i was 
worthy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the funny thing is I've been trying to sort of recreate that again and again and again, and it never quite made it to that at least level of excitement. Um, funny thing is it's like, okay, I've got to make this happen again. I've got to make this happen again. And then I'd be more frustrated with my paintings than ever before. And um, eventually my laptop was stolen <laughs> that year and my wallet and all of the stuff. They, a bunch of kids came into the uh, store I was working at and one got me from behind and I fell to the ground, knocked over a, a shelf of merchandise. And when I got up, they were gone with my wallet and laptop. So I went, I, I had to go and get my, oh, what do you call it? My social security card and my um, birth certificate and all of this stuff and a new license. I was told by somebody, you were on a vision quest. <laughs> I was like, what? What? And this is a person who I guess we would call kind of woo-woo. She, <laughs> in these days, she was, she's in the drum circles, the meditation and stuff, but this is like a decade ago. So I, I began, I'm sorry, I love that so much. <laughs> but but I was thinking, what if what a this great is, reinterpretation. What if this is a vision quest? Because I had to. I was living in South St. Louis. I had to drive all the way back to um, Illinois. I had to drive to East St. Louis to get this, and I had to drive to Edwardsville to get that, and then back to St. Louis City Hall to get this. And it took like a week, and it was a really shocking frightening experience you know after finally having a, a solo show that sold all of this work finally something that validated what I was doing I lose my laptop and then eventually the store I worked at closed and I lost my job and then eventually the apartment where I was living with these uh, bo other bohemian artist types um, the lease ended and we had to move out and I had to move back in with my mom and dad you know and it was just, I, I don't know, it was just a strange time. And that's when I read the book, Think and Grow Rich, you know, mm -hmm. which you're familiar with, I'm sure. And I was I, actually, yeah. I had music that was used for a movie based on that book. <laughs> really? Ah, nice. This, or this guy who used to come into a cafe where I worked in, in Venice, he was making a movie about Think and Grow Rich and he was he was like i need some music do you have anything and i like ran back to my apartment and got my cd and he's like he's like i'll use this one it was easy for him so yeah yeah what's it i never read the book oh really okay i yeah. understand but, the premise but never read the book right i've read the book maybe three or four times <laughs> and I don't know. I, I didn't realize that it was teaching sort of law of attraction principles and uh, push past fear principles and stuff like that, you know, um, but I'm beginning to realize where it's coming from and that it does have sort of an earthly concept of control in there, which that, that's an interesting thing. Control. And then I've realized that control is how artwork and you know um could you repeat that and uh, and now it yeah. slurred and sounded kind of like a slide piano when you said that i didn't i'd like to get it a slide uh, yeah 
yeah, so what I was saying is um, ever since that 2009 show, um, there'd come these times when I wanted to recreate that. And I would look at other artworks and say, okay, these color schemes are interesting. They must sell. I will do this, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Um, and then I'd find that nobody was coming to the shows or nobody was responding to the work. It, I think it was because I was trying to control that. I was trying to control my way back to something that was inherently intuitive in the beginning. It's the intuitive thing that uh, contains all of the juice, all of the energy. And so speaking with uh, Gary Bodley, I did a little coaching call with him um, while I was on the road. It turned out we had to move out of our apartment and now we're staying with my girlfriend's parents for a period of time. Uh, we're looking for a house to buy actually. So, <laughs> and she, um, yeah, Adrian got pre-approved for a much higher amount of money than she thought she would, which is oh. very interesting. Yeah, and there's some beautiful houses that are coming up. And, and uh, but um, I right now I'm on the outskirts of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, oh, okay. But but yeah, we're we're looking mostly within, I think, the uh, quieter parts of the city. I think I'm kind of over the whole um, urban the whole uh you know urban activity phase <laughs> the whole you know everybody's out and about and going to the shops and none of them are open because of COVID-19 right so urban's not such a great place to live right now especially yeah yeah it no it's interesting though um about a decade ago it was making a big comeback and all of these young people were moving to the cities and I was among them you know and now I think, I, I feel like a lot of the, some of the artsier people I know are actually moving out to small towns, not just in the suburbs, but small towns in the middle of uh, the state, Missouri, mm -hmm. and starting kind of commune things. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I think people are looking for a quieter life anyway. But as it goes, um, Gary made the suggestion, why don't you try channeling the painting? Okay. <laughs> so. I, and you probably saw the video where I would, I have like five colors in mind and I'd be like, okay, I will open each color. I'll have them out and ready to go. And I'll just meditate for about five minutes till I get into sort of a trance, I think. And I begin to feel myself float silently. And then I get out there, I'd grab my brush and I just listen for the instructions. Red, and I grab the red and I, just paint that red onto there, onto the canvas, and be as loose as possible. Sometimes I'll hear a direction that says, take it slow, take it slow, you know? And then it'll be interrupted by purple. And then I'll reach for purple. No, not that purple. This purple, <laughs> you know what purple. <laughs> so I'll go and pick up another purple and on and on and on and on until I hear the command to stop. and when I stop, there's no more painting. So that's pretty much um, how these newest big works have been going. And um, I've, I'm getting so many responses on them. It's kind of um, mind boggling, kind of overwhelming. People are loving them. And I was told even at the store I work, your newest work is 
like, whoa. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do you feel like that's what you were doing prior to trying to control it? Like like when you when you first had that exhibit in two thousand nine, do you feel like all of those works were less controlled and more channeled? I think so. I, I, I wasn't aware of the idea of channeling anything really um, at the time. I was aware that there's a certain inner spark that um, truly makes the best work. Uh, those works were just fun and I spent a lot of time doing them. Um, so uh, where I was working at the time was a, another art supply store, a small one that was started uh, by a guy who um, he really wanted to start an art supply store. He's, he paints at night, he does Ticketmaster by day, that kind of thing. Um, but um, by day I'd work from I think 10 to six or something and then um, right next door in the same building was my studio. And I just go into the studio and paint till maybe two in the morning. And I just had a lot of fun discovering new things in these paintings. It mm -hmm. was just plain fun. And, that's when I began to do the sanding technique where I'd sand into the layers of the paint and discover these connections. I was just enamored by what was going on and wrapped up in it. And I wanted to keep experimenting again and again and again. And I think, and I had no expectations that mm -hmm. anything would sell or mm -hmm. that I'd even get into a show until um, Alicia Lachance of Hoffman Lachance Contemporary said, hey, would you like to do a solo show at the gallery? Oh, I have some works in progress, sure. <laughs> so, um, and I just kept working and working on these paintings. I, I didn't feel like it was a lot of struggle at all or a lot of judgment or anything like that. Yeah. And I feel the I feel were like hung, and I was just wowed. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, it kind of reminds me of like um, bands that have like really they have no clue that they're going to be successful with their first album and then they try to reproduce something based on what they think worked the second time and then they have their oh. sophomore album which usually isn't so great <laughs> oh yeah you know yeah gary's had... talked a lot about that phenomenon and yeah yeah, so it's like, okay, well, I'll just keep doing the paintings this way. I'll make sure this color is happening here and that color is happening here. And I've got to have, I've got to, I've got to work till 3 a.m. exactly this way. When you start prescribing how to be done, it stops being fun. It yeah. starts being like, this will bring me wealth or whatever. Or this okay. will allow me to escape from having to work for the man. <laughs> There's, as you were describing, and like how in the true escape. Oh, I, I didn't realize you were still talking because of the connection. Sorry. Do you want to finish that? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. What was I saying? I was, uh, yeah. What I was saying was, um, like at some point you see that success happen. You're like, okay, well, this is my ticket to escaping from having to work for the man <laughs> or, you know, I can be that superstar. And when you don't see it happening, they're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Okay, paintings, why aren't you selling? Why aren't you impressing people? <laughs> and you get very angry and frustrated. And that's where, I guess, the epitome of effort and struggle starts to happen. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then, you know, you find yourself in this sort of hamster wheel of trying to survive while doing this and trying to, 
cram it into your free time and whatnot. And, uh, you know, there were times when I came close to quitting the whole thing. I had an art fair last year, last October. I did this art fair. There was no electricity. I had no idea about that. And it was kind of rainy. I just thought I'd take all of my paintings and put them in there, all of my old works. I wanted to make new works for it, but it never happened. I found myself having to do all of these other projects just to survive, you know, just to pay the bills and stuff. I was, I decided to quit a job a year before to pursue my art full time. It was a bold and definitely pushing past fear kind of experiment. But I found myself working for everybody else and not getting much painting done in order to pay these paltry little bills. Um, and so I did the art fair and I threw all of my work in. I only made $400. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I'll just get a job and, you know, hopefully I'll get good enough a job that I can, you know, just live a nice, happy life. And I was listening to various LOA podcasts, including Joshua and stuff. And I was just like, okay, this is where acceptance comes in. I accept that things didn't sell. Mm -hmm. There's good in this, you know, this is the best possible thing that could have happened. That kind of thing. It really helped me to get through a lot of the uh, frustration of that situation. So when you were talking about how interested you were in the sand in the sanding that you were doing i could feel like how i was like wow i want to see that that sounds really interesting you know um yeah but i think it's like it's like those things that make artwork interesting to to people or that you know that connects with them is like if you think, if, if, if you had the most fun making it, if you thought it was interesting, you know, that's really exciting. Um, Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. That's how it works. That's how it works. Um, and it just becomes this sort of dance of, uh, you know, am I enjoying myself right now? I can take a break. I'll come back in. And there is a little pushing through. But you know, these newest works are almost effortless. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. almost effortless. And I don't know, I, in my chats with uh, Gary about this stuff, it's come, I've come to realize that it's my inner self that's producing this new work. Mm -hmm. It's universal forces, and I'm just stepping aside and using the very least of me to, uh, to make the work and to allow these spiritual forces to guide the making of the work and I'm not even backing away from the paintings and judging them and or making edits or making these decisions oh, that area is not quite nice I think I'll wipe that one out and move on to another painting not this time it's mm -hmm. just straight painting very close to the canvas my arm uh, flinging up and down and all around from various corners making circles and parallelograms and things like that and then I just I stop when it's time to stop and the painting is just about perfect you know I accept it as perfect but yeah. I also acknowledge that it it, it it awakens something in me I think so <laughs> how do you how do you see yourself going um, about looking at art as a 
a fun thing versus a money producing thing? Well, you, you have, and, and, and this, yeah, I've come to a juncture where it's time to, you know, in an ironic way as, as we are taught in these spiritual practices, it's time to separate the transactional aspect of making money from something or expecting money from something that we do. It's time to separate that money part and to uh, realize that the money is going to come to us or whatever resources we need are going to come to us. However, they're going to arrive and just to be ready to receive them, you know, and just have fun making the art and have faith that there is something uh, powerful, something potent in these paintings that's going to draw people to them. You know, I, um, I don't know when the podcast is going to air, but I currently have one of those paintings up on eBay. I'm auctioning it off oh, cool. right now. Yeah, and uh, a lot of bids actually have been put on it. And the idea is that I'm going to donate all of the proceeds to charity. Not a penny is going to come to me at all. Oh, that's you know, right. This is an idea I'm working on. Yeah. yeah. So you guys now, reached your goal, right? I think so. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. There isn't a goal per se. It doesn't have a reserve price. We'll see oh, okay. how high it goes. Um, it, it's really an experiment. And I've already contacted this charity. It's called Friends of Kids with Cancer, St. Okay. Louis. And I've let them know that this is on and they're going to be receiving some money. But not a penny is going to go to me. So we're going to have to see how that goes. You're, I'm separating the abundance aspect of it from my needs i'm becoming abundant the idea is you have to be abundant first in order to receive and to give abundance to the world mm -hmm. you know and you receive that abundance from the universe and it comes to you maybe via a painting or maybe via one of your albums or maybe via you know just some time and uh and an extra pair of helping hands or some food or whatever it might be, or some water, you know, <laughs> it, it's all abundance, every single aspect of it. You know, one of the most fascinating things I've learned about abundance is the idea that we're experiencing it all the time, even in the things that we don't want, things we resist, the things that we hate, if you're seeing because that's our focuses. So I'm trying to apply that to my art making. And right, the idea right. is that, yeah, what, what, I, what I see, what I foresee, what I foresee is a time where I have nothing to worry about financially at all. Bills are paid. Um, everything is secure. You have to um, cultivate that in yourself first and in your mentality. But, and I just get to paint and I get to invent and I get to experiment and I just do it lavishly and abundantly and all the time and more boldly and more powerfully and to see where it goes. You know, I think the, the idea of treating life as an experiment instead of a struggle is um, one of the, the big keys. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. And it's, and it's scary as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, you know, uh, doing these things, contacting the charities and putting a big painting up and even signing it on the front. I've never signed my work on the front. And mm. uh, Gary's like, you got to sign your work on the front, <laughs> you know, 
like I, I always felt that was kind of a garish thing to do, but you know, there's something to it. So I'm going to be exploring that idea. Um, and just to see where it goes, I'm just terrified right now, but I know that this is expansion, mm -hmm. you know, so. <laughs> what, what, what made you want to donate to that particular charity? Well, I, so I, so I compiled a list of charities. I kind of went backwards a little bit um, because this, there's a lesson to be learned in this. Um, and uh, it turns out that about a decade ago, I was a picture framer and we used to frame a lot of the artwork that was made by the kids that this organization serves, Friends of Kids with Cancer. Yeah, beautiful artworks. And, um, honestly, some of the works have been made by kids who have uh, transitioned, you know, and it, it was an emotional time for me. Um, I remember breaking down into tears when I was... Uh, helping work on these frames and they'd be framed in these really bright shiny bold colored frames wooden frames yeah my job was a fitter so I would I would uh, put the artwork onto a mat and I'd put the glass over it and all of that and then insert it into the frame that was built by someone else and you know um i i don't know that it's a very vital organization right now and it's very challenging with covid-19 and everything um, especially when you have these other health issues there's a lot of isolation that goes on um when you have to receive chemotherapy and stuff like that yeah. and i think just there was an emotional resonance that led me to um push a little further and contact these these people you know and it's Gary who's spurring me on to do a lot of this. So, um, and it's an experience I've not really had, you know, at all. You know, it's it, you're taking the abundance that comes to you in an artwork that you make, and you're transferring it over. You're trusting that that abundance is there, and you're trusting that it will attract money. This is my interpretation, anyway, mm -hmm. and resources. And then you just send that off. That shows that it is you who is abundant and it is you who is channeling the abundance you know instead of feeling like i need money i need money so i'm gonna do whatever it takes to get money i'm going to mark all of my artwork down which i did <laughs> <laughs> i think about a month or so ago and that didn't work really well <laughs> i sold a couple of little pieces i'm gonna mark my artwork down and sell it to people who are always complaining about financial difficulty <laughs> um but i'm i'm curious yeah. because so i mean the, the pricing for me that that's super intriguing but i i felt like i can't i can't say okay <clears throat> somebody who has a lot of money is going to want to pay you know because because usually people with money they i think we all do though if something's priced a certain it's like a certain price point we go oh, that must be really good. And if it's a little right. bit more expensive, oh, that must be really good. And if it's like super mm -hmm. cheap, it's like, it must not be so great, you know? Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it's part and parcel of, I guess, the grand illusion we built out yeah. here. But at the same time, it's kind of true. Uh, <laughs> well, I work at an art supply store currently, and um, yeah, the higher quality paints are definitely more expensive. Uh, the, lesser quality paints 
you know, students will come up to me and say, uh, so what paint should I buy? I'm just a student starting out. And what they're really saying is I can't expect that I'm going to be able to afford this. So show me to your cheap paint. <laughs> <laughs> and we're being encouraged to show them to the not so cheap paint, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to tell them, okay, this pigment is a richer pigment. This paint has a lot more coverage. It, and it's true, though. The better paint you buy, the easier it is. You, you see it flow like butter. You're like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah. You're very impressed with the results always. So what's interesting to me about that is what, what I, was, I was trying to get, get at with that is, I mean, what's part of the interest of me is as a musician, I could spend $100,000 on my album. I could spend $200 on my album. And it would still right. be sold for the exact same amount. I can't go up to somebody who's, you know, a billionaire and go, well, this CD is worth $3,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be like, I know. Baloney. <laughs> I mean, maybe I could. Maybe there's an untapped market there. <laughs> it's so, it's so arbitrary. It's so arbitrary and so weird. I, I keep talking about the difference between cheap paints and expensive paints. There's an artist named Phil Jarvis here in St. Louis. Um, he was making like Renaissance quality work at this okay. art fair. When I met him, I was like, wow, what kind of paint do you use? Oh, I just use the cheap stuff. You know? <laughs> and he just makes it, well. it look cool. Yeah. And it kind of, yeah. And I have a certain theory that if you're using materials that, aren't that that aren't of highest quality and you're really <laughs> grinding through and practicing hard with those not so good materials you become a master and then when the great materials come you're suddenly like really uh upgrading you see it happening almost magically <laughs> you know the higher quality of the artwork mm -hmm. yeah but yeah it's and, you know, people are like, well, um, how could I, should I price my artwork based on the labor I put in, the time? You know, you can spend, you can spend 80 hours making a painting that's, that ends up being kind of mediocre and say, I need to charge $5,000 for this because I spent all this time working so hard on it. Right. I must be compensated for that labor. But the $5,000 you'll see more often than not going to an artwork that's done in 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, because there is something spiritual in that artwork. There is source in that artwork, mm -hmm. you know, and every, and everywhere else there's struggle and limitation and fear, you know, and you can kind of see it. And, and, and to me, it's sort of revealing how, an artwork, I, I mean, I've seen masterfully made artworks that made me feel very little, you know, like, but, but I've seen, but then I've seen others that resonate immediately and I, now I know why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's spiritual power. <laughs> Just thinking, and I took a couple of art classes, visual art classes in college, and what I thought was really interesting between that and the, the music department, which I was majoring in, was that there wasn't any prerequisite, like requisite classes, at least where I was going, where you had to like learn how to do very like basic art stuff. Like you could just jump in and, which I thought was so cool. I thought that was like so much more progressive than the music department, which is like, well, if you want to write music, you're going to have to understand all these things that we've been doing for thousands of years. Um, yeah. Technique and all of that. <laughs> 
So okay. I mean, I like that, that it's sort of like a, you know, jump in and, um, and again, your price point isn't going to be determined by how many years you've been doing it, how long it took you to do necessarily. Um, but that. Right. I mean, it's, it is, it is almost like how much do you think you're worth? How much do you think your pro you know, your product is worth? And that's yeah, that's really raw. Exactly. Um, one of the things about the auction is um, it, the more experimental aspects of this auction that's going on is um, it kind of helps to sort of set a value, like what are people willing to pay for a work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's no reserve on this painting at all. Right. So we'll see what happens. There's no buy it now or anything like that. So how long it's is it going to be on there? Until um, tomorrow, which would be Friday. So I don't know. You okay. can edit yeah, this, that out, I guess. <laughs> I no, yeah, no, this is great. I mean, maybe you'll have another one by by the other time. And if you do, please send me the link. Oh, possibly, um, yeah. Yeah, I won't be able to put this up tomorrow. Yeah. We could we could do the the next one though. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yes. So what? Yeah, for sure. What um, what sort of things are exciting to you right now? Oh man. Oh, oh, mercy me. Oh, I'm telling you. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> There's so much going on. It's what, what's exciting to me is that this is a transition in my life and certainly the lives of everybody I know, certainly my girlfriend's life, that we had to make this sudden move out of our apartment and now we're looking for a house. I had no idea this was going to come. Uh, and just uh, this notion of, uh, this notion of um, of channeling the artwork that's really exciting and just getting to know and, and studying more of these spiritual uh, principles and stuff and looking at the world as an illusion it's all very exciting if you choose to allow it to be you know or you can you know it's also overwhelming <laughs> But um, I'm excited about cooking, you know, barbecuing a chicken, <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm excited about, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a tough thing. I feel, I don't know, there, there's a term in, I think, Hinduism called the bardo state. I kind of feel like I'm, I've been in the bardo state for a while, which is like a, a transitional period between life and death, mm. or death and life, maybe, <laughs> you know. And... I feel like I'm being smacked out of the bardo right now into something new, a new, I guess even a new dimension. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to put it that way, you know? And I'm just, and I'm at a point where I'm endlessly fascinated and curious about everything. And synchronicities are big too. You know, there was a, there was a day when I posted something about a leaky ceiling and how I pushed past that and I processed that manifestation event. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that entire day, I saw 11, 11, 22, 22, 3, 33, 4, 44 on the clock again and again and again. And I screenshot it and I was just like, okay, something's happening here. <laughs> within a couple of weeks, you know, the move happened within a couple of weeks. All of this other stuff began to kind of fall into place. And I, I don't know, I, I, feel as if the real excitement is the real excitement is accessing that power to engage all of it 
mm -hmm. and see where it goes. <laughs> so cool. Well, that's a great close. I, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Accessing all that power. Um, Jeremy, yeah. pronounce your last name for me. Rabus. Rabus. Okay. R A B U S. Yeah. Got it. You. And you have a website and all that, and I'll share that on. I I do. Yes. Description. Uh, okay. Yeah, jeremyrabus.com, and then you can look for J Rabus Paintings on Instagram. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. I'll see you in the the Joshua group. Yeah. Yeah. See you there. <laughs> All Thanks right. for talking. All right. Yeah. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Inspired Artists. Please remember to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps other people find it. Thanks. <laughs>